G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 19 Preview Edition as we get towards the pointy end of the home and away rounds. The battle for the eight really hotting up. Uh, We've got several coaching vacancies to be filled. Uh, The rules of the game, the look of the game continues to be a big issue. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to preview all nine games for this weekend and we're going to talk about football media as we do each Thursday in the preview edition. As I say, a very good morning to my footyology co-host, Mark Fine. How are you, Fine? Good, mate. Uh, Rowan, the way you describe football at the moment is that we are in a state of uh, turmoil almost, but certainly in a... uh, period of of great change and nothing can be taken for granted, which is why I implore all of the footyology fans out there to get their teeth into something that is constant, that doesn't, is not subject to the vagaries of uh, change and of whim and of of modern trends. I I know what you're talking about. Reality television. That's exactly right. Love Island is currently being screened in England. And apparently, Andre has more to tell than... That stuff is such rubbish. I hope we don't get it, but we'll get a version of it. Well, there's a new... The block's coming back. Well, I think there's a new Bachelor just started too. And the MasterChef judges have all quit. Oh, I know. Well, that's been the biggest news of the week. No, no, sorry for uh, interjecting there. What uh, should they get their teeth into? An Andrew's hand. Of course. I had one on Monday. How was it? Why... Is an egg in a burger? Do you like fried eggs? I'm allergic to eggs. Really? Yeah, actually, I cannot eat eggs. Oh, that's a pity. I've got no idea what an egg tastes like. It's like a cross between nothing. It's just an egg. But an egg in a burger is such a treat when that yolk bursts. Just you know, is is exposed. Anyhow, it was beautiful. How was the bun? You know, I'm interested in buns. I spoke to Greg about your bun fetish. Yeah, what did he say? <laughs> this is sounding like American pie. <laughs> because he said, where's Rowan? Oh, you guys got to come back down. I said, well, I'll be back next week to grab some more prizes. Maybe Rowan will come on Monday. Yeah. He said he loves the buns. Mm. He says he's not alone. And I said, it's almost an obsession. He said he's not alone. <laughs> and I said, do you have a, um, a special bun group, like a sort of Buns Anonymous? <laughs> But I was there on Monday. This is no word of a lie. Monday at two in the afternoon. What would you expect? Uh, oh, a bit of lunch traffic. A queue. I, I, oh. It is honestly. Yeah. Well, that's you know that's how good a spruiking job we're doing here. Yeah, it's... and they they love the show. We love them. One forty four Bridport Street, Albert Park. Nick Spartels was down Albert Parkway. How is Nick? He's busy. Well, he's, he's a great builder. His blues are uh, doing pretty well at the moment, so he should be pretty happy. You know, they won three games in a row, I think. Uh, and four of the last six. Yeah, but uh, they were. if Wegg was still alive, they would have commissioned him to do a three-peat, <laughs> a three-peat poster. 
<laughs> Very good. Uh, but Nick Spartels and Hardwick Build Co. He said to me, he said he listens to the podcast every week and he knows that Andrew's hamburgers are really getting a lot of our fans. He said, just one, just one fan, build a house and he'll be happy for a lifetime. Oh, well, I mean, everyone thinks about renovations, don't they? I mean, I, I'm thinking about it at the moment. So. I, I am. I'm thinking about putting the car through the front of the house and opening <laughs> it up a bit. <laughs> uh, get on to Nick Spartels and Hardwick Build Co. They yeah. are master builders Superb. and renovators, and they will look after you. All right, I think that's enough spruiking done. No? Okay, I know we don't do hot or not this time of the uh, this day of the week. Yeah. And I know we're getting into stories and media watch, but yeah. I'll tell you what. I do not like being told by the AFL or by anybody that this is the game of the season. To me, the game of the season is an important game that's a great game, and we'll decide that at the end of the home and away season. Yeah. I don't need to be told Friday night's important. It's very important. Yeah. But so is Hawthorne and Brisbane. Yeah, and yeah. we'll wait to see what the best game well, of the year funny. is. funny. You, you've just... Uh interesting segue into a column that I've written that you'll be able to read on Inkle today and will be up on footyology.com.au tomorrow about that very subject finding about how uh, we're sort of losing the spontaneity out of what yeah. constitutes a big game. All right, we've got a lot to get through, so let's not waste any further time. On Footyology Newsfeed. Okay, news feed. Plenty of news around, obviously, with three coaching vacancies to be filled at Carlton, at North Melbourne and at St Kilda. And that might not be all if you listen to the scuttlebutt, which we'll get to. But I wanted to start finding this week with, and we have talked about it a bit, but it it continues to be an issue. Uh, Steve Hocking gave another all-in media conference uh, yesterday after a meeting of the AFL's competition committee and uh, addressed various points of discussion that cropped up. And they're the same sort of points, but uh, there's one thing I've really got to be in my bonnet about this, and I did tweet about this last night and got a bit of reaction and uh, no one was able to tell me what I was asking. So I'm going to throw this one to you. Again, for I think about the third time in a row, um, the AFL cited this as being a real vindication of the rule changes that have come in this year. So we've seen nine rule changes. We've got 666. We've got the kick-ins, more space for the kicker-inner, etc., etc. Scores have gone down. There are less scores from kick-ins. So both those things, I think, by those measures... Um, probably haven't worked, and yet the AFL once again came out and said, Steve Hocking said, um, the rule changes are a success, and evidence of that is the fact that in 76% of game time this season, the margins, the margin between two sides has been two goals or less. And again, I sat there for five minutes, and I tried to think it through, and I thought, what is the correlation between the games being closer, or that figure, and the rule changes? And the answer is, there is none. Okay, there can be one minor reason. What is it? And that is, uh, towards the end of games, yeah. teams protecting a lead find it harder to do so with the 6-6-6. In other words, if you're 15, 20 points up or whatever, yeah. you can't stack the back line as easily after a goal, but... Steve Hocking was a, you know, obviously Gary Hocking's older brother, yeah. I think. Uh, he was a serviceable 
backman without being spectacular. Yeah. He never struck me as an unintelligent footballer, but every time he opens his mouth on this, he strikes me as a particularly unintelligent AFL uh, employee and football operations chief. Well, he's... Does he not understand that those rules were brought in to increase scoring mm. and any person with the simplest background in mathematics, and I'll say maybe year nine, would understand that if the scoring is greater, the time of teams spent closer together should be less. Yeah, yeah. Those, you know, soccer games are often very close because there's no scoring. The higher the scoring, the bigger the margins. Yeah, so the answer I was getting on Twitter last night was, well, scores are lower, therefore they're closer. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. But that is... Now, the AFL would argue they never actually said... 666 is to get higher scores. They said it was to open up uh, centre bounce congestion. With, for what end game? So make the game less congested. So what players run the ball into the crowd? Yeah. It's to score. Yeah. Yeah. So scores, the only thing I could come up with was scores are closer because scores are lower. And if scores are lower, that is the absolute opposite impact of what everyone predicted we would get, regardless of what the intent was. Everyone, including the AFL, said we think scores will go up. Scores are currently at 80 points per team, as opposed to last year, 83 points per team, which was the lowest since 1968. The kick-ins, as you rightly predicted, uh, it's going to... um, make it harder for sides to turn the ball over and score from an opposition kick-in. What they really wanted to do with that, however, was to increase coast-to-coast play and scoring directly from kick-ins. Now, I've been keeping an eye on the numbers, and I did it again last night. Uh, Scores from kick-ins last year were 4% of all scores. That has tracked for most of this season at 3.9%, so down. It's now gone down again to 3.8%. So we're not getting the transition football from end to end, and it's harder for sides to score on the turnover from a kick-in, and thus scores from turnovers are also down slightly this year on what they were. Scores from stoppages, however, are slightly up, which accounts for that little difference there. But basically, those two big rules, 666 and the kick-ins, they've had the exact opposite effect of what they're intended to have. Okay, first of all, I don't think Steve Hawking's unintelligent. Far from it. He wouldn't be in that position if he was. But he is suffering from a condition that seems to afflict many AFL uh, top brass, and that is... Foot in mouthitis? More than that. That is... uh, Taking out positives from statistical evidence in the game, may it be crowds, in this case close football, and then directly attributing that to something that they have personally been responsible for. Mm. The correct statement from the AFL should have been, all that about close games is good. There's no doubt a close game is a better game, has some has some cachet. If we're losing... Scoring, at least we've got closeness. And this should be a celebration of confirmation of the workability of the draft, the salary cap, the systems in place. Because bar Gold Coast, you would say Melbourne at 17, all the other 17 teams 
are swapping and trading wins and losses mm. at a at a very interesting level. So there's where the praise should be. But of course, Stephen Hawking was he might have been playing probably he was playing when that all started. So yeah. doesn't do much for Steve Hawking to say the draft and the salary cap are working. No, no, that's that's a really good point. The other thing he touched on too, because this came up. Um, sorry, just before we leave that, this veers into Media Watch story, but uh, territory. But I know some of our media colleagues listen to this. So guys. Can you do us a favour? Next time they give one of these press conferences and they wheel out that 76% less than two goals, can someone please ask him what that has to do with 666? And if he says, well, to keep um, scores are lower, therefore they're closer, can you then ask him, well, isn't that the exact opposite of what you were trying to do? I cannot believe that now three times publicly they have come out and said this and not one person from what I can gather, appears to have then asked him, well, what is the link and isn't that the exact opposite effect of what you intended? Do they just all stand there and just say, okay, tell us, Steve, and just dutifully record what he says and not ask anything about that information? But wouldn't a question like that be considered a question against the the opera, you know, the the people running the organisation and would you then not be put on a list No. and then somewhere down the track end up in Wood End covering (laughs) Heskett thirds? Well, that is the common belief. I can tell you it is not that draconian. It is an absolutely valid question. um, I I reckon the AFL is that draconian, but maybe the people who employ the journalists and who are constantly looking for opportunities within and from the AFL may not be pleased if their employees are putting AFL employees in an embarrassing position. Well, that's a more interesting poser, and uh, some media organisations are actually in cahoots with the AFL, like in a quite official Hmm. sense, might be loath to question stuff too. Yep. I don't know where cahoots is, but I believe it's it's coming to a football... Team, ground, and competition near you very shortly. Cahoots sounds like the place that Foghorn Weghorn would have lived. Um, mm, the, uh, the boy in bright. The other thing alluded to uh, in this press conference was uh, about tackling, because this story emerged, I think we talked about yeah, it last Too many week. tackles. Too many tackles. Well, What's hey, the right number? Have we got a number now? Well, I'm pretty sure, and apologies, Jake, if it wasn't you, but I'm pretty sure Jake Nile wrote the story about that, and they had quotes and... Mm. Um, well, Steve Hawking said yesterday, he com- completely denied that that was on the agenda and said it never would be. And the quote was, there will not be any eradication of tackling at any time in the future, at any stage in AFL football. Good. Well, so what? which story was right? Was the first one just completely made up or has he just completely Rowan, forgotten it that never he happened. said that? it didn't happen. <laughs> just, what is going Rowan, on? it didn't happen. Are you suggesting that Andrew Dimitri rang South Melbourne, Sydney, and spoke to Collis and told him that they would pay for recruiting Franklin? Hang on, hang on. Are you suggesting that Barry Hall played in the 2005 Grand Final under some directive from the AFL? These things never happened. Well, I just can't believe people would just stand there and listen to it and don't go, hang on a sec. And the other thing that came up On the 50th anniversary of the moon landing as well. Grow, you know, wake up, smell the grass. (laughs) 
Um, well, I think someone's been smoking the grass. Um, the other thing that came up in this uh, press conference slash briefing was the possibility of mid-season trades. Um, I like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I do. I, I don't like it because it just uh, probably more for what will surround it than the actual concept itself. I like the idea of one per team. You can have one in, one out maximum. Yeah, but all that means is we'll spend another considerable chunk of the football season writing and talking and listening to that rather than the actual season. That uh, but, is my big problem. With well, at least get the the um, battalion of young journos onto some interesting leads and stories there. Well, they can't rather be. than rather than everybody making up where James Hurd will be next week. No, well, they can't. They're too busy uh, dutifully recording what the 568 former players on media outlets are saying. Oh, about... hang on. We're starting to sound cynical and bitter about this well, matter. I don't know about and and you know who I ran into on Monday when I was down at Albert Park visiting Andrews Hamburgers people. Who Tom Brown? Oh, how is Tom? Um, okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, good. Uh, he's, he was introducing me, Mark Vine. He said, yes, I know Mark. And I said, good to see you're um, neatly dressed. Because I, <laughs> I feel he's sometimes a bit harried, that's all. Yeah, well, I think we're not in probably great position to Yeah, be but in... I'm not in front of the camera like <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. And, um, and I, I actually congratulated him mm. um, because he stood his ground. I think he got in a bit of a spat with, is it? Who's the... Jesse Hogan? No, no. I... Oh, no, that was Tom Morris, sorry. Um, um Jack Rewald? No, fellow journalist, Mark... Oh, um, Stevens? Mark McGowan or... or uh, McGov- oh, what was that about? Uh, it was about the future of... Um, who was the player that... that oh, uh, Orazio Fantasia. Yeah, going back to Adelaide. Oh, did they ever spat, did they? Yes, because... Uh, is it McGowan? Yeah, well, Mark McGowan works for the AFL. Yeah. I believe it was his story, and he was yeah. very upset that the journos who door-stopped um, Orazio... Yeah. Didn't ask him when they asked him, "Will you? Are you looking to leave Essendon at the end of the year?" He said, "No, definitely not." Mm. Uh, Mark demanded that the next follow-up question must surely have been, "Do you ever plan going back to Adelaide during your playing career?" Why would you ask that question? It was fair enough that they said, "Were you upset by the inference that you're leaving at the end of the year?" I mean, if Mark McGowan prints a story, time, time um, sensitive. Right now, breaking story, Fantasia looking to go back to Adelaide. Mm. I meant in three years. Well, I read a story. Uh, so I, I said, well done for, you know, you, you asked. Standing your ground. No, you, did, you, you asked what we wanted to know. We're getting into Media Watch territory here, but there were, I read another. What about that story about Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody? He's on a Carlton or Hawthorne? No, it's spent, I didn't even see who wrote it, to be honest, but it spent three quarters of it talking about he hasn't been signed and these clubs are interested. And then three quarters of the way down, it said, oh, he'll probably stay at Essendon. I mean, like, anyway, that's Media Watch. And we don't want to go there. We've got a segment for that. Um, the other news thing we should touch on, of course, is the coach hunt. And um, uh, the Ross Lyon thing keeps cropping up. And I, I keep wondering, well, you can't separate news from Media Watch because I keep wondering where that is driven from. And to me, a lot of it seems to be driven by anything that Nick Rewalt says on his various media platforms. Uh, Frio actually won at the weekend, so it's not like they had another bad loss. Um, but Ross seems to think there's people driving agendas to uh, tip him out of Frio, and I suspect that sounds like it's more in Perth than It was in a great press conference. He just sort of walked out. It looked like 
there was a uh, there was a microphone. It looked like this. It wasn't a press conference. It looked like he was sort of in an auditorium testing, and he just stood there, really disappointed, and, and said, "Yeah, uh, there's people here who've got an agenda to get rid of me." Uh, yeah, you know, like, of course there are. It's Ross Lyon. Uh, what we don't know that Ross Lyon rubs people the wrong way. Mm. That, that's that's known. It's a fact. Mm. Um, he brings it up now because there's a bit of a coach merry-go-round going going on. But he's a very clever operator, Ross. He makes it very clear. I'm happy here. My family's happy here. I'm contracted to stay here. I really want to be at the Fremantle Football Club. So, in other words, any suitors out there. You're going to have to, you know, pry me out of here with a good offer. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, I'm loyal and true blue. He's a he's a smart cookie. Well, what about in, as far as the St Kilda job goes? And there have people been suggesting he could go back to St Kilda. That is what seems largely off he the could, back he, of... He could, he could go back to St Kilda if he wants to have a feed down Ackland Street because he cannot go back to the St Kilda footy club. Well, this is the thing. I mean, the people basically involved with that time aren't there anymore. But we know that Nick Rewald of any of those St Kilda players of that era had the best relationship with Ross for yeah. obvious reasons. So uh, Rewald is always going to sing his praises. Sure. But, but that's uh, so Rewald has said he won't be part of the coaching selection yeah. panel. But it sounds like almost in a de facto sense he might as well be because it's what he's saying which is driving the agenda. Yeah, except for Rewald and Robert Eddy, and I haven't heard from Robert. Yeah. I don't know players who are just going to jump out of trees to want him to return to St Kilda. Um, why Robert Eddy? Because he played him in two grand yeah, finals. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, odd. Um, nice bloke, Robert. I met him too. So the truth is that he's not he's not on he's not on their radar. He's simply not on. Look, they inquired about Beveridge. Yeah. Uh, before he confirmed that he's extending at the Bulldogs. Yeah. And they made a, a polite but official approach there. I've, I think you'll find that Andrew Bassett is very, very orderly and very, um, being a, a well-respected business person, he's very respectful of correct procedure. Mm. He's, uh, he's Gee, not that's the, not a good fit for AFL. For well, him. I'm saying he's not the sort of president who would um, take pleasure and think that it is a badge of honour to undermine another club by, you know, going, circumventing the, the the right way of doing things. That's not his way of operating. Okay, so just tell me right at the moment, who do you think will be St Kill's next coach? Okay, I've spoken again to people within the club. Yeah. Um, Brett Ratton is... The, I'll tell you what they say about Brett Ratton. They believe that he's an excellent coach that was... They agree that he was very unlucky not to have kept coaching through Carlton and beyond. Mm. They're very fortunate to have him, and the players are very comfortable with him. I would suggest that they would have to... There's two things here. There might be some inside running, we know, with Lethleen and Scott. Yep. Uh, or they would have to be very impressed by other possible applicants. For it not to be either of those Brett, two? To, not to be Brett Ratton. Or, or I think Brett he, Scott or just no, Brett, Brett Ratton. Ratton. Okay. I, 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 unless, unless the, and this would be very disturbing as a St Kilda fan, unless there is an old boy network or a friendship network that is stronger than the process, mm. then I don't think Brad Scott can usurp Brett Ratton. Okay. But they still will take, will 
their door is open and they might take applications from other coaches. But hang on, I read that they had to speak to Robert Harvey. Well, of course, that is an essential. Which journalist demanded that? I can't remember. I think it might have been Damien Barrett. Oh, okay. Um, his wish list of what people have to do and must do is long and sometimes on a weekly basis forgotten. So I think he's got other demands this week. All right. Well, I am saying to you, Mark Fine, that we have to end this segment and move on to the next one. On Footyology Media Watch. All right, Media Watch time. Uh, we keep getting a lot of uh, feedback on the Media Watch segment, finally. Uh, most of it positive, some of it uh, saying we're a little bit whiny and, and bitter and cynical and all that stuff. And my response to that is we're both men in our mid 50s. Yeah, That's who, what happens to you. Who is it north of 50? Hey, you know what I got for 50, when I turned 50? What? Heartburn. <laughs> yeah. Rowan, I just. One last thing about St Kilda, and this is important. Oh, we're going back. Well, here, it's a warning to the St Kilda Football Club because okay. St Kilda has, in their history, have had a habit of poor administrations and just getting things a bit wrong. Yeah. Now understand that a bit of a smoky in these co- coaching um, uh, talk and is Ben Rutten. Oh, really? Please don't make some typo error for Brett Rutten <laughs> and end up with Ben Rutten. Ah, well, I think you'll find Ben Rutten is very firmly ensconced at Essendon and he's a very popular man at the moment because uh, Essendon's defence has been outstanding. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't want Bert Rutten or Ben, you know, it's like the American. It's like, what about what? Johnny Rotten? <laughs> yeah, we've had a couple of them. That'd be an interesting catch. All right. Let's move on to Media Watch. Media Watch. Okay, so... Um, you provide the inspiration for this. Now, we're, we're not just going to carp and be whining whatever this week. Um, I thought this is a positive exercise. You said to me that you'd spent some time putting together your dream commentary teams for both radio and television. Yes. And uh, you said you would talk about it this week on this segment. So I thought, well, what the hell? I'll have a crack as well. And then we might even get a competition out of it, which we'll come to a bit later. But... Right. Um, what tell us about why you thought of this idea, and and uh, tell us about your dream teams in both the TV and radio sense. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of commentary going on, isn't there? A lot of radio, a lot of TV commentary, and I think the the possibility of these teams ever getting together at the moment doesn't exist because of employment within various organisations. But I was just thinking, if you had your druthers. Who would you want to call the big game for you? Mm. And I've put together my team. It's totally personal preference, but I'll give uh, reasons. Radio being different from TV, of course. All right. Well, before you start, the composition of the team is the starting point. So have you got two callers? This is important. Two special comments and a boundary person? Yes, that's all. Okay. I don't... Maybe Peter McKenna at the top of the... Yep. Stand at Waverley. Saying that Darren Jarman's got to be... Oh, no, I thought Darren Jarman's got to be moved forward and winning Adelaide a premiership. Yeah, and, and sort of fighting with his headset and technology all the while. But seriously, two commentators, two special comments people are enough if they're good. And then one person to bring you what's happening from the boundary line with, with a understanding of when to interject, not... Not 
doing it on an egg timer every three and a half minutes. All right, well, let's uh, start with radio then and yes. explain why radio for these particular callers. So uh, first off, your play-by-play radio callers. And when we say dream team, we're talking about who is in the sphere at the moment. Correct, okay. correct, that's right. So the for radio, the key is, and any radio commentator will tell you that some past respected radio person came up and told them when they started, Imagine that you're calling this game for a person who's not sighted. Mm. Well, that's pretty obvious. Radio is sort of, that's what it is. But that wants to be at the game and see the game but can't. Mm. In other words, tell them where the ball is. Tell them paint the picture, as Shane Healy used to say. Unfortunately, painting the picture for a lot of commentators means painting the colour and the excitement. And No, painting the picture for a radio commentator, first and foremost, where is the ball? Yeah. Which what what is the score? Yeah, and maybe an understanding of which team is currently holding the momentum thrust. Yeah, and for me, Tim Lane, who has been a predominantly radio commentator, maintains those rules very well. Yep, and Matt Granlin is an excellent second commentator. He's never takes the microphone longer than he should, and again puts you where the ball is and has a very good. Uh, rise and fall of tone for big moments. Does Matty, uh, um, I'm going to give mine a sec, does Matty uh, provide the yin to Tim's yang? No. Oh, look, Tim is, I think, what I like about Tim is I really listen to him and see the ball. Mm. Now, that's, his job done. I think that's beautiful. I really do. I, with other commentators, they take you to places you don't necessarily want to be. Mm. Now, Matt, I believe is very good at being complementary to the strengths of the number one commentator. He's also got a very lovely, lovely voice. voice. But yeah. he he would un, he would be a slightly different commentator, say with Anthony Hudson, than he mm. would be with Tim Lane. Yeah, knowing that Hado is a you know a big moments caller, mm. he will quietly but very graciously get make sure that those big moments are in. Huddo's hands. All right, so uh, that is your radio yes. callers are Tim Lane and Matt Granlund. Who are your radio special comments? Okay, so special comments men really could be the same for TV or radio, but because of um, radios, I think radio, my special comments men also would be involved much more in match summary, quarter time, half time, yep. three quarter time on radio. Mm. So I, I put great story in what Lee Matthews has to say at those times. Yep. I think he's excellent. Mm. I do think you need a current voice as well. Yep. And this one's going to surprise a lot of people, especially at the moment. Mm. I don't think he's necessarily at the best place to do this now, but I'm always very interested, shock horror, at what Chris Judd has to say when he's on radio. Okay. Why? Because he has a... He has a... He can see the game, maybe the way he played it. He sees the game in totality. And he's very good at telling you about momentum and the rise and fall of the game and the likely continuation or otherwise of that. So he's a very good predictor analyst. Mm. Okay. Which I think is important on radio. Good call. And boundary. Roman, why not you? (laughs) Not... You know why not? You know why I say why not you? Why, uh, why not? I want. I don't want. I don't want a medico who's going to 
to justify his position, create um, injury sensations because most games don't have a lot of injuries. Yeah, so I don't want to medicate. Yeah. I don't want a past player who is still beholding to ex-teammates or people he played against, so he's not going to tell you who whacked who or, you know, the real things that you want to know from the boundary line, he's going to excuse. Mm. I don't want a, a past player with a reputation for being tough, so he he says, oh, look, it was a huge hit, but no, nah, they should let him off. I mean, the guy's, you know, the guy is in, in, at the moment in a coma. Um, so <laughs> so I don't what want do that. you want? I want somebody who knows all the working parts of a football game yeah. and can give you that. I want injury news. I want um, player form news and little tidbits. And when, you're, when you are not distracted by humour from up in the box, I think you're good at that. Okay. Oh, all right. So you're going for me. Why not? <laughs> okay. I, I can't think of what... If I picked somebody else, it would only be an experienced journalist anyhow. Yeah, and I'd crack it. No, that's not no, true. No. You know, the one thing I could have as part of a commentary team mm. is a former umpire. Not constantly, but just on hand for controversial moments. You know, yeah, look, the um, the boundary is an interesting role because it's probably the one role in a coverage, uh, in a radio sense, that you get the most difference with. So, you know, with some people it's uh, strictly a, you know, a only come in when you need to with an injury thing, so very, very straight up and down. And then other ones you get, you know, a bit of uh, sort of vaudeville stuff, and then other ones you get sort of a bit of analysis. And um, I don't know, I've, I've done it for a long time. I've, I've tried to. I, I wouldn't enjoy it if I was just saying, so-and-so's come off with a hamstring. I like to be able to sort of chip in and yeah. throw questions to the comments guys on play and stuff. So, I mean, I'll... I'll- in overview, I'll say this. Somebody like a Cameron Ling, I think in a couple of years will be a very good ground-level addition to a commentary team. Mm. But I still think, even though he's been out of the game for a while, I still think with past teammates still playing, etc., he is compromised because he does not like... Um, Giving someone a whack. Yeah, he does not like telling the whole t- tale about somebody that he played with or even against. All right, so that's your radio team. Uh, Tim Lane, Matt Granlon, on the callers, Lee Matthews and Chris Judd comments, and me yeah. doing the boundary. All right, mine, I'll just give mine quickly. Now, I had no idea what you were doing. This, isn't this amazing? I've come up with exactly the same calling team, Matt Granlon and Tim Lane. I think Tim Lane, is he's done it for so long. I like the sound of his voice. Uh, he has... Um, uh, a great command of, of the English language and is able to roll out the big moments and rise and fall as required. Ditto Matty G. And I think you're right about Matty G. He's He doesn't ever sort of try and hog a moment and he's a real team player. And uh, I love the sound of both their voices. That's important too. I, I should add that all of this is dependent on whether Manu is available, that French guy from My Kitchen Rules. Yeah, who, of course. Who's now in Australia, has talent. If he's available, he can do the whole thing. Of course. Um, my radio comments uh, to yeah. are different to yours. I've got uh, Matthew Lloyd yeah. and Jimmy Bartell. I think Matthew Lloyd um, has great, makes some fantastic tactical Observations. I think a lot. I think a lot of good stuff that he says often gets lost with people because they just, you know, he does have a fairly monotonal 
he's, uh, he's worked voice. On, he worked on that hard. Yep. It's much better than when he started. Yeah. And I, but I think a, that's a big a big plus is how much that's improved. Well, see, for some people that's a big deal. It's not a big deal to me, but uh, you know, I think his observations on strategies and matchups and that sort of stuff are excellent. So I really like Lordy as a comments guy. For and radio. I, yeah, for radio. Because I've got to say I saw him on Footy Classified on Monday night. And maybe it's because of the other cast members, but he's the most handsome person I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm not chipping in on that one. And uh, Jimmy Bartell is my other one. I, I think Jimmy's been a really good addition to the ranks of footy media, and I think he's sold a bit short, actually. In the, hang on, just let yeah, me yeah. get it out. Yeah. The quality of what he does. And I think uh, that's less obvious on TV than on radio. I think on radio, um, he's excellent, and he's a bit more relaxed. And uh, I've done a couple of, uh, I think we did a couple of Sunday games together earlier this season, and I thought it was the first time I'd sort of heard him do a whole game in a radio sense, and I thought, wow, that was sensational. So I think, um, you know, and he's still in the early stages of it, but I think he could end up being one of the very good uh, special comments people. My boundary person, and I've worked alongside a lot of them, I think Michael Roberts is a really good boundary reporter. He's enthusiastic. Um, he gets good background on injuries and stuff. Uh, he occasionally, and he's a you know former player of some repute, played for Victoria, will occasionally chip in with some observations on play as well. So uh, I'd be happy to go with Michael Roberts as my boundary man. All right. Just on that, yep. Bartel, great call. He's also very good on, on the predictive element. Yep. So my special comments, Judd or Bartel, I'd take either of them. You really... I, I, I should have almost said that they are dead heat. All right. Okay, let's talk about TV. So who are your TV callers? Okay. Uh, I wonder whether this is controversial. Not the first one, because I'm a big Anthony Hudson fan. Right. Why he's maintained from his youthful explosion onto into the scene. Mm. He's maintained respect. He is a big moments caller with, with you know... Big calls and, and loud and the loud effects, but I think the game sometimes needed. I think he does it better than say Bruce McAvaney does. He's become a bit of a parody of himself. Mm. But what Anthony is very underrated for, he has perfect player ID, and I mean perfect. I can n- not remember him getting that wrong, and I take great store in that. Mm. And he's also, I think, an excellent. Call, excellent caller of a free kick missed or rightly paid. In other words, I think he sees the game beautifully. Yep, yep. Oh, I certainly got a fantastic understanding of the game. And, um, you know, Hutto, we talk about this a bit. Hutto, we both know him pretty well. I mean, he's he is a real, he's like us. He's a passionate fan of the game and grew up watching the yep, game and yep. remembers the old moments and things like that. You know, he um, he gets it. And I think that really helps Spot his on. broadcasting. All right, who's your other caller? Is a former player, and former players who become commentators. Well, they just once you're a commentator, forget that you're a former player. It's a skill, and this man, I think, is a beautiful anticipator of the importance of the kick, the next player onto the kick. Yeah, the building up the crescendo of a of a ball from the wing that he knows will end up in a scoring opportunity. Mm. He just raises it nicely. He doesn't resort to this, um, and it's a copycat behaviour, the guttural call, yeah. 
which I particularly dislike in a certain female commentator, girls shouldn't do it because well, it's not part of their uh, vocal range. Bruce has fallen a victim to that a bit. It, it's um, Some intentionally go out there, I need to be guttural when it's a, a very a big moment. He doesn't do it. I speak of Dwayne Russell. Oh, yeah. He has yeah. his own rhythm and it's great. Um, and his own expressions. Uh, maybe overuses his chaos ball. Now, I'm apologise for this, Dwayne, because he's also very sharp. And in his maybe first or second year calling, I cannot remember the second player in this, but Brisbane were playing a game up at the Gabba, and two players were locked in tussle for the ball, and one was Moody, who used to play for Brisbane. Mm. And I can't remember the other, but after he called Moody and somebody else, he said, that reminds me, I've got to call my wife straight after the game. <laughs> and it was very good. Um, but I think I, I love his... I love his um, tone and his rise and falls all right now i um it seems you know it's a very uh subjective thing your likes in terms of commentary yeah. i noticed that Dwayne seems to cop a lot of flack but i've always been a big fan i i, I like easy, the way easy, called. easy target ex-player part of the yeah um, but he, he he doesn't really trade on the ex-player no, thing you never get a sense no. that you know i played afl and, yeah. and i really admire him for that actually all right so your callers are anthony hudson yeah. and Dwayne russell who are your special comment and we're talking tv who yeah. are your special comments by? a lock in number one please listen to this guy carefully he is a class above matthew richardson will give you the insights of really Oh, he's a class above. I mean, that, that would surprise people. I don't. He is a. That's why, because he had a reputation of being, you know, a bit of a, a, a sort of a bullwinkle, the moose when he played. Mm. People might not understand his beautiful knowledge of the game. Right. What kind of special comments people bring? I don't need them to bring um, vaudevillian humour or back in my day type of um, toughness quotes. Mm. The best thing he, I think that they can do is put you in the mind of a player. Yeah. And not just having a shot of goal from 20 metres out. He can really, he, empath, he, he knows, he takes you to where a player might be psychologically throughout a game of football. A youngster, an experienced player, a captain. And I, I love it. I just think it's a, um, a skill that he has as well as reading the game very well, but it's a skill that he has, and he, he notes players as soon as the play happens, not after a replay, that may be disappointing in a defensive setup that allowed a goal, and likewise, an adventurous player that caused the goal. He sees it off the boot. All right. Who's your second comments man? Okay. The, the second comments person, again, I, I'm looking for a point of difference here. Mm -hmm. So I want somebody who can provide me with a bit of experience. And I like experience from the, from the coach's box. Now, this might sort of surprise, this, this may surprise people, but I'm going to go for a current coach. Now, I know that he won't be calling this year, but any time Nathan Buckley has been in the box, it has been a privilege to listen to I him. thought we were talking about current people in the media though. Well, you know, they do do work. Okay, alright so maybe I shouldn't have included him but really, if okay, look, I guess that can't happen this year, even though if they dropped out of the finals, you'd see that he would quickly be employed, Yeah, picked up uh, it's a, he gives No, he's very good. He, he's magnificent so yeah. I do look for an immediate 
sort of a, a, a past coach. Mm. Um, I've taken Matthews in my radio team. Can you help me with? Are there any coaches currently? Um, I'm not I'm not so much Mick Malthouse. I, I feel that um, Mick's a bit of a hard taskmaster, but I, I do like the idea of a coach's view. Mm. Uh, so, are there current coaches uh, that we can? Uh, not really. In, well, not we can, in a TV sense. We, oh, I'm happy to take one from radio and use them. All right. Well, no, I'll give but you want, Buckley for not, now because okay. we're but not Parco. All right. Um, and quickly, yep. boundary. Uh, now on the boundary. Again, this might surprise people, but I'm going for Tim Watson. Okay. And why Tim Watson? Why Tim Watson? Because Tim again chimes in with. Oh, at the minute, at the minute reportage, which I think he's very good at. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, straight away, if a player's got injured, he'll interject, keep an eye on or whatever. And I think he's got developed a good eye for that. All right. And and not Xavier Ellis, because I'm worried. If he keeps tracking the way he he's going, mm. he's going to explode. He He's put on a bit of weight, Xavier. Yeah. Um, that's certainly not how I remembered him in his playing days. All right, my TV team, uh, I've got one of the same calls. I've got Anthony Hudson, best yep. in the business in my view. The other one might surprise a few people, but I've been really impressed with this guy. I think he's incredibly versatile. Um, I like the sound of his voice. He clearly does a lot of homework. Um, and he, he feels relaxed, you know. He, and it doesn't mean he can't call the big moments because he does. Um, I think he'd be sort of second banana to Hutto, but uh, very, very professional. He's been very impressive. Brenton Speed. Oh, I thought you might say that. Oh, here we differ. Okay. Yeah. All right, now quickly why. He's too professional for mine. He's too professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's. Br- I think it's brilliant that he can call NRL and yeah. AFL and A-League. Yeah. But his observations on players are the absolute back of the footy card stuff, mate. Okay, but that's he's a play-by-play caller. So, I understand, but he, yeah. but he includes, you know, Harris Andrews has been fantastic in the second half of the season. Uh, the big defender, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the All-Australian team. His favourite movie is Shawshank yeah, yeah. Redemption. All right. Well, um, that's who I'm picking anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My special comments, men, uh, really got to wrap this up. But, so so uh, you're on Hudson and you're on speed. Hudson and speed. Yeah, I'm not on speed, literally. <laughs> Uh, my special comments pair, I think they would be a particularly good pair, so yeah. I thought about that. But I, I'll tell you why I like both these people. Gary Lyon. Uh, I think on radio, uh, when he when he's done radio, particularly when he was on Triple M, there's a tendency to be a bit overly blokey and, you know, get sort of dragged down by that. But I think on TV, he's straighter. Um, I think he, he's got a good media sense, but he, his tactical observations are terrific. And I've always thought that, actually. So mm-hmm. uh, Gary Lyon, and I think he would work particularly well with this bloke. Uh, and this bloke, for me, is really underrated. Uh, economy of words. Um, and I like that, you know, because occasionally people, and we know who we're probably alluding to, can tr- use 200 words when only 10 are necessary. This guy You're talking about me when you say that. Yeah, well, you are a bit like that on occasions. Um, this guy, he really knows his stuff. Speaks with authority. Uh, will call a spade a shovel, but not, uh, not in a sort of contrived sense. He does it when it's necessary. Um, 
I think he understands the game back to front. He doesn't try to ingratiate, certainly doesn't try to ingratiate himself with people. He doesn't care what people think of him. Um, and I speak of Jason Dunstall. I reckon he's an excellent comments bloke, uh, Jason. Um, he, is, he is fantastic when he sticks to the script. And yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. So I'm not talking about Jason Dunstall as host of Bounce. I'm yeah. talking about Jason Dunstall, serious analyst during a TV football call. I reckon He's a hard marker. Yeah, you know, I, I think he's really, really good, and I think he's underrated yeah. in, in that regard. And quickly, my boundary person is um, it's David King, because I think whilst he can uh, overdo the numbers stuff, I think when he's on the boundary, and sometimes he does comments for Fox Footy, sometimes he does the boundary, I think when he's on the boundary, that those little insights really add to the boundary person's... Um, CV, if you like. He does the injury stuff and all that sort of ground-level observation stuff as well as he has to, but he's able to chip in with uh, an observation or, or three from the boundary, and I think in that guise, uh, not sort of all the time, but coming in occasionally with little observations when there's a, a shift in momentum or whatever, why is that happening? Um, I think he'd be very good in that regard. So my TV team yes, yep. is Anthony Hudson, Brenton Speed, the callers, Comments, Gary Lyon and Jason Dunstall, Boundary, David King. Quick, I, c- quickly. I might just change my boundary. Okay. Uh, from Tim Watson. I really like Mark Soderstrom. In- oh, yeah, no, Soders. He's, I- he's good. I wondered who... Who are you at the start of last year? No, but I really... I, I do like him. I think yeah. um, he's confident yep. and... Certainly in South Australia, he knows everything yeah, that's going on. Yeah, no, his knowledge of, of players and, and background and stuff is excellent. No, I, I agree. He's, he's been a very good pickup for them. Yep. All right, so that is our TV and radio commentary dream teams. And uh, you're, I bet you're listening to this and going, well, what about, what about? Well, you've got a chance to weigh in, and we'll get to that shortly. On Footyology, previews with Punch. All right, nine big games to get through in round 19 and a massive, massive game finding on Friday night between Collingwood and Richmond, those old rivals of the Punt Road Hoddle Street strip. Who paid you to say that? I don't know. (laughs) It's the biggest game ever. Um, uh, 7.50 Friday night. Well, it is massive because it it could effectively end up deciding which of these two teams ends up in the uh, top four. Yep. Uh, Collingwood looking very shaky. Richmond coming with a bang. Uh, Pies have lost three of their last four, two of them by over seven goals. Um, We'll hang on to that top four spot with a victory. Uh, Tigers have won four in a row, looking progressively better by the week. I thought they were really ominous looking against Port with Rewalt and Lynch up forward combining particularly well. Um, They win this. They're back in the top four for the first time since round 10, and they've got a bit of a score to settle too. Uh, of course, that preliminary, shock preliminary final defeat last week. Um, how do you see this panning last out? Last year. Oh, sorry, last year. <laughs> is that why Mason Cox is... Buckley said Mason Cox definitely playing. Mm. Do you reckon it's because of the telling role he played in that game? Because I don't think it's on form. Yeah, po- no, certainly not on form. Possibly, yeah. Sh- Sharon Berg's coming into the side. Yeah. Should have been in the team last week on structure for structural Yeah, reasons. a lot of Collingwood people said Elliot's that. Elliot's coming back. Uh, yeah, should be they've, right. And, um, and Appleby's out. 
Now, when I work out who Appleby is, I'll yeah. tell you whether or not that matters. Yeah, well, who who else is out? Uh, Moore's out for another couple of weeks. Yeah. I think Greenwood's still out. And Langdon out for the year now. Uh, yeah, I think Thomas out. Um, and then, the you know, the long term yeah, is Dunn and Beams, who we doubt we'll see again. Yep. So they have got plenty of injuries. but um, R- Richmond are not are resisting the temptation to bring Nan Curvis back. As a matter of urgency, so well, he's not playing? No, well, they're going okay in the ruck, I reckon. Yeah, what you, got. you can't tip against Richmond. This is a side in the very even comp that sees teams all around the ladder swapping wins and losses and finding it hard to hold form. Mm. The one logical season is that of Richmond's. The, the one, the common denominators in, so in the last two meetings and the, the ones Collingwood have won, the preliminary final was the height of Cox that really threw Richmond oh, out. I'm glad you didn't say size. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, in round two this season, the thing I remember from that game was Richmond was particularly fumbly, and that had a fair bit to do with the pressure that Collingwood yeah. applied. I don't think Collingwood Collingwood's pressure, when you talk about their drop-off over the second half of the season, those pressure rating uh, in- indicators have yep. fallen away dramatically. They are not in that headspace where they can do that. Oh, but, but So it, hang on, wait. I don't think that'll happen this time. I think Richmond okay. will be allowed to play the, the game it wants to play, yep. and I think that's too good for Collingwood. Okay, I, I, I'm glad that you brought up those pressure factors because it is a familiar foe and a, and, a, and a strong foe that they have those memories and have recently completed those numbers against that will bring Collingwood back for that pressure game. Don't worry, Collingwood's a professional team. I've seen them, we've seen them, you, the listener, have seen them enough over the last decade to know that backs against the wall, they can comfortably revert to pressure football and make it very hard for opposition teams. You know, think of some of their wins over Geelong in recent years. Yeah, so who are you tipping? But, no, hang on. But Richmond, I'm just saying, has the form that makes sense. Through their injuries, there were struggles. Players have come back. People have to realise that when Rewalt was injured, he wasn't in a coma. He was working with Lynch every week Mm. on what now seems an excellent on-field relationship. I love where they're tracking. They're the only team I'm comfortable in saying form is real, and of course they'll win on that form. All right, so we're both going for the Tigers. Saturday afternoon in Launceston, 1.45pm, Hawthorne taking on Brisbane. Now, what a game. Is, well, this is interesting, isn't it? Um, Brisbane, this same game played last year, Brisbane uh, smashed the Hawks for a second time uh, in in the season. So uh, you'd, you'd say the Lions have got the wood on the Hawks. Hawks are going really well at the moment. That was a, They were really impressive uh, against Geelong. I thought they're, um, again, it's easy to go on about pressure and stuff, but they hassled Geelong so well. Um, the Cats never had any any space to, to do anything of any sort of positivity. And I thought it was a terrific defensive game from Hawthorne. Um, they're still, mathematically, the odds are against it, but there's still some sort of very slim finals chance. Uh, Just on mathematically possible, yep. I got shown yesterday by a Carlton supporter that there actually is a way if Carlton win all their games and certain teams lose every game, that they can still make the eight. So don't, I'm not interested in mathematical... Uh, okay, it was just a phrase. But it was very funny. Carlton can actually make the eight still. Now, uh, Hawthorne do have some uh, serious injury issues. 
Jarman Impey, of course, sadly, because he's been terrific for them. Uh, tore an ACL last Sunday against the Cats. Uh, also damaged his lateral ligament. So he's had a knee reco this week. He's gone until you'd think probably well into next season. A real shame because he, he was terrific for them. Uh, uh, Grant Birchall, uh, late withdrawal last week. Uh, they may come back for this one. Lions... Uh, looking fantastic health-wise, uh, barely got an injury to speak of, and uh, they're just flying, aren't they? But Second on the ladder. The match review officer got their best player. Correct. Uh, and the ramifications of that are, and we're will talking you tell about me Harris what, Andrews. Well, you tell me, the ramifications only come in for Hawthorne's, you know, you, you new young gun key forward. Mitch Lewis. So you, how do you rate that? I'm, I'm not... Saying that, I'd yeah, it's, it's less of a blow yeah. against Hawthorne than it would be against Richmond. Maybe. Oh, he looked very good last week, Mitchell Lewis, and yeah. he's a big boy who 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 stands in Walker. Mm. Um, yeah, probably. I've got sort of vision of Jack Gunston um, having. I've got this a sort day of out. yeah. I don't know why it's not sort of based on a lot. I don't know if he's had a good run against Brisbane before. You know, there's a forgotten footballer. I never hear this player talked about in Brisbane's rise up the ladder. Who's that? And he's going to play a huge role on the weekend is Luke Hodge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I reckon I've heard that a bit as a sort of on-field coach. Yeah, as a general. Is yeah, it? yeah. He's but actually he's going to play a footy. role. Yeah. He knows that ground well. Yeah. And he, he will be that sort of extra player in defence that I think will make it hard for Bruce and Gunston. All right, so uh, who, who are we going for? Then? I'm going for Brisbane. Yeah. Why? I'm... Because they've been a very reliable tip for me. I'm going for Brisbane as well. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I was. I, I um denied, but I, th- I think uh, they're good enough. And you know what's going to happen after they win the game? Of what? course, in the coach's box, Chris Fagan and his great experience and knowledge of the Hawthorne team was invaluable. Yeah. All right, next game, two ten MCG Saturday afternoon. It is Carlton v Adelaide, and wow, has this one got danger, danger written all over it for the Crows. They are not in a good spot. Uh, terrible second half against the Bombers last week. Let slip a 30-point lead. They don't play well at the MCG. Their record there is pretty ordinary. The Blues, well, con- successive victories for the first time more than two years. Um, they can continue to close that gap to teams above them. Uh, Charlie Kernow, of course, out for the rest of the year because of uh, that knee problem. You know what we haven't discussed much? What? Well, because you sort of got stuck into me a bit whenever I had a go at McGovern. You say, oh, you're a bit oh, hard yeah. on McGovern. Yeah. But how's his season ended up? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because I was watching West Coast last week and uh, Jeremy McGovern yeah, he, he, for the a theatric, moment, looked, oh, and I thought, oh, <laughs> I did. I thought oh, the theatrics were up on him. Yeah. Apparently he's available this week, yeah. I, have, having overcome his fantasy illness. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, who Maureen's else? not fitting into her dress very well. She's not playing any, anymore this year. Just another one on uh, Carlton injuries. Hugh Goddard, who, of course, unfortunately fractured a cheekbone in his first game for the Blues, yeah. uh, apparently in contention for a return. Um, the Crows, they've lost three of their past four now, just hanging on to a spot in the eight by a thread, uh, a game clear of, I think, four sides a game beneath them. So the heat is on, and this, this is a massive game. I'm so tempted to tip the Blues. Who are you tipping? Oh, look, finally they've had a break at the selection table. Adelaide, mm. because I heard Walker might be unavailable. <laughs> yeah. They know. He's well named, Walker. I, I heard that he, he probably will be available. 
Maybe they'll make a tough call and drop him. You know what happened the last time he didn't play? What? He was filmed in the stands drinking at a Sandful game. Oh, that's right. They that said was, under Neil Craig. It was about uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Let him drink in the stands. It's a better yeah. It's better than what he does on the field. All right, so what's going to happen? Oh, you want to tip Carlton, don't you? Given that they won with Cripps not doing anything. But, oh, no, they're playing Gold Coast. And they've got that winning feeling. And Adelaide's got that losing stench. But for all of that, I just think that the spotlight on Sloan, because he's got great character and the crowd. There's enough of a spotlight this week on Adelaide, I think, to prick a response like you, I'd love to tip Carlton four in a row. Should we? You should. I'd not. Adelaide. Uh, I'm tipping Adelaide as well. <laughs> I'm too and, behind. And what, is there two, two behind? Two behind, yeah. I always get the great surprise win and then lose yeah. by a point. Yeah, yeah. I've had a bit of luck on the tipping score this year. It's true. No, I'm, I'm very, very tempted to tip the Blues. Wouldn't be at all surprised if they win. But I think, uh, well, they're just they're stuffed if they don't win Adelaide. So yep. they've got to pull something out. Uh, and uh, I think they'll be suitably chastened. Okay, this is a pretty good game too. It is in Perth at 2.35 local time, he yep. stressed, on Saturday. So in uh, on the Eastern Seaboard, finally, it is the Twilight Saturday slot. Um, I, th- I want to go to the Eastern Seaboard. It sounds like a good place to be, you know, a seaboard. It's a good spot. It's a yeah. restaurant. Um, yep. Okay, what's going to happen here? West Coast are taking on North Melbourne, and for North Melbourne, their last shot, really, at a chance of playing finals this year. And it's a very hard assignment because I, and again, I go on feel memory here. I haven't looked it up, but I don't like the way they play in Perth ever. No, they, no. They just, I don't know, they got streeted by Fremantle there earlier on in the year. Round one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. But I don't like, I've, I always find North Melbourne just overpossess the ball over there. It's very different to where they play. And not surprisingly, teams like St Kilda and North really struggle uh, always at the bigger ground at Subiaco with the uh, at um, uh, Subi with the long but thin, yeah. and this one as well. I, West Coast, uh, they do they're doing what they have to do to stay in the top four. No more, mm. no more. Yeah, no, it wasn't overly impressive against the Demons no, in Alice Springs, but luckily they got Patrick Jolly, who's oh, geez, quick, and that will be handy against North Melbourne sometimes. Leaden-footed midfield. Well, fortunately, too, uh, they'll have Jeremy McGovern, who tweaked his ankle late yeah, in that win yeah, over it's a Melbourne. Ve- a brave McGovern is expected to play. Um, his parents are going to be there, I believe. Uh, Shannon Hearn. You know I- why McGovern's parents are coming? No. Because all parents should go and watch their kids in their kindergarten play. That's what he's... Hearn should be back. He's, uh, he's a yeah, solid type. Yep, so good uh, handy there. Yeah. Uh, just on the... Uh, a couple long-termers, Jamie Cripps, uh, apparently his rehab is going all right, yep. but still a few weeks away for him. Uh, I reckon the game might be up for North. I, I reckon it's the equation is too hard. They've got to win every game and have a whole lot of other rivals above them fall over. So I can't see it happening. And um, I, I just reckon that loss to Brisbane, you know, geez, they were game. But that is two weeks in a row now they've had their their hearts ripped out, really, isn't it, by Essendon in the last minute and then by a controversial free up at the Gabba. And uh, I just think... a lot's been made of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First um, of all, McAdoo did nothing wrong. Yeah. No, it was... A, look, I've seen that paid plenty of times. I've seen it not paid plenty of times. Umpire position, was, was, umpire position was key. Uh, just on North, they yeah. probably lose a play they could ill afford to lose because Darling's playing really well now. Yeah. 
Kennedy's dangerous anyhow. Yeah. And Scotty Thompson. Yeah, and he's got the same. Stephen Hawking had that during his career, by the way. Yeah, ruptured testicle. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear Ray Shaw? He's very funny when talking about it at the presser. What did he say? He said, oh, look, he came in. He looked like he'd been horse riding all day. And he did the action. Oh, yeah. of, and he goes, oh, I think it'd be a bit much to ask you to play footy on the weekend. Yeah. I saw it referred to in a, uh, a newspaper story as testy. And I thought, well, it's not testy, is it? It's testicle. Testy, testy. Yeah. One, but it did. Two, it was three. T-E-S-T-I. Yeah, testies. Your testies. Well, isn't it a testicle? Testicles. Yeah, but it was but, only one that was ruptured. Yeah, a, a testy. Okay. And it sounds like a twisty. Um, anyway, yeah, no. Because uh, that's how they rub, they twist. You're right. Uh, Thompson is a massive loss and uh, against clearly against Kennedy and Darling, this is one side you don't yeah. want to lose a key defender for. Yeah, I, I think West Coast might win reasonably comfortably in so the end. Might. Okay. And Vardy might be back as well. Uh, yes. All right. Uh, now we're talking about your boys. Marvel Stadium, Saturday evening, 7.25. St Kilda taking on Melbourne. Um, fresh off a really impressive win. A oh, pretty impressive win last week against the Western Bulldogs under caretaker coach Brett Ratton. And uh, the Demons, not too bad against West Coast. Uh, again, they're... What are they? Are they second last on the ladder? Second bottom. Unbelievable. And it is uh, statistically, and actually we did, I think Chris Howard sent us an email about this too. Mm-hmm. Um, we forgot that uh, the uh, Fremantle in 2016 went from finishing top of the ladder to, I think, 16th, um, which is statistically the biggest drop. Yeah. The, thing, the difference here, though, is Fremantle were absolutely appalling in 2016. I don't think Melbourne have been, overall, have been disgraceful you know like they, they looked all right against west coast they yes, just they, they just don't do enough in their forward um i mean they're scoring i think five goals a game less than last year oh, when they were no the, hogan the league's highest scoring side no hogan mcdonald now out but when yeah he was struggling pressed, when pressed into action as the number one forward not successful and wiedemann really sort of hasn't no. Sort of measured up to the hype after last year's yes. finals, um, but Saints really impressive. Some big pluses there. Rowan Marshall's one. Uh, Hunter Clark is the biggest plus for me out mm-hmm. of the last month or so. Mm-hmm. I like Luke Dunstan. I think he's about to really sort of grab that place and make mm. it his. I like the way you said that. Um, <laughs> I'm just ignoring this stuff. What's and Melbourne have a pretty, uh, better than it was, but still a reasonably ordinary record at Marvel Stadium. Uh, I'm going for the Saints. Right. St Kilda beat them, comfortably, really sort of set their season into a downward right. spiral. They made a terrible selection error when they played St Kilda the first time. I wonder if they'll do it again because the same guy is in the team. Who? What was that? You can't play Braden Proust as a forward and St Kilda just exploited that, you know, imbalance. Yep. He played last week, kicked a couple of goals. I wonder if they'll go again. Uh, St Kilda may play Jack Stephen. I heard he's a real chance to play. Oh, that's 20, good. Twenty-one touches, three quarters in the VFL. Yep. And he, you know, he's good. He wants to. He's ready to go. They'll probably drop Nathan Brown if Proust, You know, it's it's going to be a bit of cat and mouse because he won't ever match up if Proust isn't playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think St Kilda can win this game, but the caveat is that Max Gorn has. Not earlier this year, but in the last few games, he's destroyed us, especially at Marvel. Mm. Oh, he's been best on ground and won games off his own hand, boot, and whatever. But. So I think Marshall will be stiffer opposition than Hickey or Longer were, so I'm going to go for the Saints. 
All right, we're the same on that one as well. All right, this is an interesting one. 7.10 local time, Adelaide Oval, Saturday evening. Port Adelaide taking on GWS. Now, the power finally broke that nine-week sequence of loss-win-loss-win with their second loss in a row last week against Richmond. Really looked outclassed in the finish, I think. Um, They're 8-9. Uh, they've lost three of their past four, so they're one win and percentage outside the eight. Now, certainly haven't been helped with injuries. Uh, Ollie Wines is an, only an outside chance to come back with and that even, fractured but thumb. But even so, he's been in and out all year. It's hard to get form on that. Yep. Uh, Dan Houston has to pass a concussion test. They won't get Ebert back for, for the, the rest of the season yeah. unless they make finals. Uh, Burton. Really bad hamstring, Burton. He's uh, still a month away, so just about season over for him. Uh, GWS, meantime, they are 10-7, right back in the mix for top four. Uh, terrific win over the Pies. And that first quarter, uh, what was it, 8-2, I think, uh, as good a quarter of footy as any side has played this year. And a big milestone game too, Heath Shaw, of course, playing his 300th. And well done, Heath, on the presser. Very good. Yes. Uh, Came yeah. in and apologised. Yeah, no, he's a funny man. Um, Phil Davis, a late withdrawal for the Giants last week. He's he's fine. He's ready to go. Uh, Josh Kelly, still another couple of weeks away. Cornelio, of course, gone. Uh, DeBoer may come back next week. Um, now, this is a sort of game where everyone will tip GWS and Portal suddenly unexpectedly pull out a, a vintage performance and upset everyone. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall for it finding. I'm sick of port. I'm sick of port teasing and they're not delivering. Uh I think it was a salient reminder for people like me last week, GWS, how well they played because I'd begun to think they're just a pretty ordinary team. Their best is outstanding. I still have reservations about how many weeks in a row they can deliver that in terms of their potential to win a flag. I think, you know, they'll they'll have two or three good ones and then a disappointing one. But I think they're good enough to win this one um, with top four still a very, very real possibility for them. So I'm going for GWS, who actually I was there at that last time they played um, in Adelaide, against Adelaide. Uh, it was about six weeks ago. Um, they weren't bad, actually, but Adelaide did play right that night and came home with a big uh, last quarter. I think the Giants will... Um, Make up for that one with a victory this time. Keep those top four hopes alive. Have you ever been to the beach and got a mouthful of seawater, like when the waves come? Frequently. That's a saline reminder to keep your mouth shut when you're in the water. Okay. <laughs> That's good. A bit of wordplay from you today. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you want to find out who in the media is just, you know, a wanker, <laughs> then... Jeez. That's then, a big field. Yeah. Well, but if you want to, then... Listen carefully to the previews of this game, and if anybody gives you a rock-solid reason why one of these teams is going to win, mm. he's a toss-up. Because <laughs> th- these two inconsistent outfits... Because it's a toss-up? Well... Is that what you're saying? It's like when a player takes a penalty in soccer and the goalie goes, he always goes to the left. Does that mean he's going to go to the right, or will he double bluff me and go to the left? The right, <laughs> and while he's thinking about it, the guy's already taken the kick. Now... There is no way you can tip one of these teams and say that's, and I confidently therefore can tell you that so and so will win because these teams are Jekyll and Hyde, Hyde and Jekyll, Hyde and Seek, Seek a winner, take a peek, Ports at home, Garden Gnome, GWS. That's my guess. 
Oh, very good. Dr. Seuss. Uh, I have no idea who will win this game. Whenever I heard Jekyll and Hyde, I always used to have to stop and think which one was a bad one, which one was a good one. No, they're both good. They were crows. Oh, that was Heckle and Jekyll. <laughs> um, that, do right. you know which one was a good one and which one was a bad um, one? Yeah, the Doctor... Uh, yeah, Dr. Jekyll was the good one and it was Mr. Actually Hyde Dr. was the Jekyll. bad one. Dr. Jekyll? Okay. Yeah, he, he was only bad when he drank the potion. Yeah. Which happened to be a, a, a sort of a... a, a an equivalent, what's it called? An analogy of, uh, it was alcohol, you know. You why, know did, that. why didn't he just not drink the potion? Because it was alcohol. Well, it's on like Nancy it, Reagan, it, it just was, It was no. saying to us, you know, in the bottle, and the devil was in that bottle, it was just, man shouldn't just get soused all the time. All right, Sunday, uh, Western Bulldogs, Fremantle, 110 Marvel Stadium. Uh, they're both out of the running, aren't they, for finals, realistically? <laughs> Yes. Okay. Uh, would you like to see Fremantle in the finals? Absolutely not. Well, there you go. No, not nothing against them. They just no, bore, they just bore the absolute bejesus out And of would me. they be relevant in the finals? No, not really. Uh, so, a bit of a bounce back hit for the doggies? Uh, it should be, yeah. Okay. They're, they're playing Riley West and they're playing Dale Morris. So, they're really notable. Yeah. First game and what a career. Yeah. Mm. They'll win the Bulldogs. They weren't good against St Kilda, but I think they know where they went wrong. Mm. And that is, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you have to come to the party for pressure out of the middle. And guys that get 35 touches, that's not all you need to do. So you can really point the finger at some of their high possession winners, not laying body on body. Luckily against Freo, the targets are obvious. If five plays, they reckon he might play forward. Good, Nat. Who's going to get the ball down to you? And careful if you play forward, because that klutz Berkeley Cox might fall on you if he's playing. Well, the other one, uh, Rory Lobb had scans on his shoulder, which popped yep. out yep. late in that game. Um, it was interesting, though, going with the three, Bruckman, Darcy, Lobb and Sandilands. Yeah, but, I mean, Rory Lobb, are we surprised he gets injured through his career? He's, he's built like a minute bowl. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have a great frame for footy. They, they've announced that they will be taking Sanderlands on interstate trips. They sort of... Dis- In his own plane? But the way they said, we are happy to take Aaron Sanderlands on the flight with us when we head east. Mm. They were talking about him like he was a stretch-out bed or something. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to fit him in luggage. Well, you've made some pretty cruel jokes about him throughout the <laughs> <laughs> um, so meat. So I, oh, I, I'm not tipping free. Okay, we're both tipping Western Bulldogs yeah. there. All right, Sydney Geelong, SCG. This is an unusual game time for this one. I've got this sort of image of Sydney Geelong games always being a night game at the SCG. Maybe I'm thinking of that... Oh, pardon me. Maybe I'm thinking of that famous 2005 final. Nick Davis! What time is it? Hmm? 3.20, Sunday afternoon. I thought you were going to say 5.10am Shrove Tuesday. Oh, well, or sure. Pancake Wednesday. I'm sure that'll be a game time sooner than later <laughs> if it fits in with the reality TV schedule. Um, Sydney... Don't take this one for granted that Geelong's n- just going to start playing well. No, no, I don't. But, gee, Sydney are, are very pedestrian, you know, like that. That was an appalling game against Fremantle. I sat down and watched it again and it was just 
diabolical. Why would you watch that one again? Oh, because I felt like I didn't have my head around it. So yeah, it was... if you played it backwards, did it say? <laughs> it said um, Paul McCartney is dead. Let's bury Paul. Yeah, <laughs> at the end of Strawberry Fields. Um, no, I'd, football I'd, is dead. Football is dead. Geelong have got some uh, real issues. Uh, funnily enough, you know, if you, you can pour through all the numbers, and I have, and uh, they were talking about this on the couch. By far and away, the the most significant fall off for Geelong has simply been inaccuracy. They were the most accurate side in the league up to the bye. Since the bye, they've been the third least accurate side. Um, so that's as big a reason as any, but they are really um, struggling for contested ball at the moment. And some big names really not pulling their weight, to be perfectly honest, in the middle of the ground. So they've got to get that together. Um, I think they will, though. You know, they've lost, what, now three of their last five, I think. Um and only game clear on top, really need that top two spot. I think uh, the comeback probably starts this week. It it might be a, a real struggle of a win. You know, you don't want to be trying to play pretty football and getting heaps of confidence back against Sydney because they really will allow you to do that. But um, they have had their, their struggles up in Sydney, the Cats, but I think they're good enough to start turning things around this week. You know, a question that a lot of people were asking a couple of months ago was, why did Sydney get rid of Gary Rowan? Why did the Bulldogs get rid of Dalhouse? Why did St Kilda get rid of Stanley? Mm. Wait. Wait for the answer. Wait. Wait. Now you know the answer. Yeah. Now you've got to play a whole season, boys. Zach Smith might well come in for Stanley. I mean, he's just been beaten soundly the last few weeks. Yeah. The one good thing is I'm worried Yeah, about... there's a huge gap between his best and worst, isn't there? There is, and that was always the question. The... Mm. One thing I'll say, that ground, the SCG, brings... Players are going to be in the contest a lot, aren't they? Mm. You'll see a lot of Dangerfield and Hawkins and uh, probably Ablett, and they've got the weight of numbers of of guys that if they are in contest enough, they're going to win the game. I just Mm. think... Though they've got enough, they've long got too many good players that will see the ball too often to lose. All right, so we're both going for the cats there. Yeah, uh, uh, with one caveat. What is it? You said about goal Pe- ca- Peter Caveat. Yeah, he got belted up there by a future Swan hero. The uh, that goal kicking—it's not just inaccuracy. That effort at the end of the third quarter oh, was yeah. was almost. Yeah. It almost was. Um, we need us. We need you know. Uh, which somebody's got to come to the club and solve it. If, if say Asava Radigalia missed a goal early, mm. he's officially got the yips. That could yeah. be a problem for them. So who were the three misses? Radigalia, Gre- Gre- Myers, Ma- and like I really like. Who was the, sec- the other one though? Reece Stanley. Oh, that's it. I yeah. like Grice and Myers. Grine. You know what? My name's as sensible as his. So whatever you come up with, will do. We talked about how he holds the ball. Mm. How how he. You know how awkward it looked. The whole situation. Mm. I don't really. I love him on a, on a snap. I don't trust him with a set shot. Yeah, I don't know if it's. Is it how he holds the ball or how he swings his yeah, boot? I'm saying, no, I'm saying how. Uh, yeah, that, he's the, got the Matt the sucklings. Of, yeah, Paddy Dangerfield's a terrible set shot at goal. Mm. You know they've really got an issue. They're, a lot of their forwards are terrible kicks. Yeah, well, it's coming back to bite them at the moment. Um, all right, we're both going for the Cats. Round 19 finishes up at Metricon Stadium with no, the not for me, it highly anticipated 
Gold Coast Essendon game. Now, in fairness, uh, Gold Coast were showed a fair bit of resolve last week. I, I thought, you know, in terms of where they're at after 13 losses in a row, that was at least A+. plus. Uh, they could have got absolutely blown away. They were 43 points down, but managed to pull it back to three goals at three-quarter time. Um, Bombers, though, four in a row, four great comeback wins. Uh, going to be missing a few. I think Heppel will probably be managed. Uh, I think Fantasia will probably miss again. And Connor McKenna has been allowed to return home to Ireland for a wedding. So, uh, so, hang so, on, who's, who's not going to play Heppel, McKenna and... Fantasia. So you've got a great a Heppel and a guy going to Ireland. Great Heppel Island. Oh, very good. Oh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, you should be doing crossword puzzles, not doing this do. podcast today. Oh, thanks. Could I just say one thing about this game, you which can. is so unfair to Essendon? What? They've been brilliant the last four weeks. Four brave wins. The one against Adelaide special. Mm. This is the game, and I think they would hate this with injured players. All of that great work is undone if they lose it. Oh, yeah. It'll completely be forgotten if they lose to yeah, Gold no, Coast. Yes, it will be known as the... As the side that lost to Gold no, Coast. As the chokers that missed out on certainly the chance of a double chance and lost all momentum by losing to Gold Coast. Yeah. See, there's such a downside for Essendon if they lose. Yeah, which is why I think they won't. Uh, and, and I'm tipping Gold Coast. I, I talked about the outs. Uh, Zach Clark... Uh, ready to come back. Missed last week with illness. Jaden Laverde managed last week. He'll probably come back. Are you seriously tipping goal? Yeah, I am. They've, right. they've got no Ruckman. They've got no Ruckman. Seriously, if Heppel and... Zach Clark's coming back. <coughs> he was pretty good in the game against North. Oh, that's a sentence I never thought I'd hear you say. I can't believe you're tipping Gold Coast. I am. Okay. All right. Well, I thought they played well enough. I thought yeah. that... I know that Ainsworth is coming back. Yeah. He's a very good player. Yeah. Is he going to win another game? This I is think that... Bose is coming back too. Yeah. Actually. Essendon just can't keep losing all these players. It's yeah. too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact they've let McKenna go indicates a degree of confidence. Now, I see where you're coming from, but anyway. There's I know, no I'm... Hurley. There's, no, there's yeah. so many players out. I'll say this. Even against the Gold Coast, if Essendon win, mm. it's a bloody good win. Yeah. Uh, you also need to make up two tips. So. No, that's not what I'm doing. Why I'm doing it? Right. I know the last time I tipped them, they lost by just under a hundred. Yeah. So there's scope for. Well, if they get up and and you correctly tip them, you you will probably feature in a back page lead in one of the newspapers. I really believe they'll win. Leading media personality Mark Fine correctly tipped Gold Coast. I I, be, I re- I'm not saying it to be funny or to annoy you. Mm. I Doesn't think, annoy I think, me. I don't care. <laughs> you tip. I just think Essendon have too many players out. I can't see them winning. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, look, anyone else I'd be worried, but I just think, you know. Can Mitch Brown kick four again? Yeah. Maybe. I think he can. I think you're underestimating his uh, ability to be consistent. I'll tell you, if Laverde plays, your motor get dropped, by the way. Didn't like Langford's the Langford. Yeah. No, no, he's, he's not in great form. Uh, all right, you are surprisingly going for Gold Coast. I'm going for Essendon. That is the only tip on which we differ, and it's time to finish off the show. On Footyology, the final word. Rightio, competition time. Uh, of course, we asked you to name players with big, beautiful hair. Uh, have we got a winner, Finey? We would have, except so much hair literally clogged my system. What? Well, I received great, I think they're great entries, but a lot of them had attachments with images. Yeah. And 
Oh, that just pushed your computer, your um, Commodore 64 a little too far, didn't it? It said, you know, I had to import and export oh, and no. I didn't have a license to do it. So <laughs> oh, no. so we're extending it for three more days while right. I get all your hair images. Sounds like I'm collecting some weird fetish. Yeah. Send your hair images to me at Mark at Nighttime Hair Collector. No, just send it to the normal situation. In fact, you don't have to resend the ones you've sent. Yeah. Because I'm going to download it oh, on no. something post two thousand. Oh, God, <laughs> can next time you have computer issues, can you just like let me know? I think it's IBM's Deep Blue or something. <laughs> yeah, <I can't. laughs> yeah, it's a whole room in my house. It should work. Yeah, all right. So it's extended for three days, but you can start thinking about the next comp. Okay, so you've set the next comp. Yeah, the next comp. So is we've got open. two comps running simultaneously. Yeah, the next comp is how many comps can we run simul? No, the next comp. Dream commentary teams. We had oh, yes, current yeah. ones. Let's go all time dream commentary teams. Yep. And and you know, bend the time continuum. Yep. They can be current and past. Yeah, okay. I mean passed into the next world. Yep. So you could have Tony Charlton with um Moses. Yeah. Well I was <laughs> trying to think of someone contemporary. <laughs> you could have uh Lou Richards with uh Bruce McAvaney. Oh, Williamson and McAvaney. Jezalinka, you delicious. Well, yeah, you imagine Lou, Lou and McAvaney. But it would be a hot time in the old town tonight. <laughs> oh, he's a real he-man. Who? Who? Where? Yeah. <laughs> All that special Lou. Remember he's a real he-man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was after Matthews yeah. broke the point post. The more Hill. accurate was, that's real poor carpentry. <laughs> it was a shit post. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think termites must have got Correct. to it. Um, all right, so your your dream TV yeah. commentary team, and we want two play-by-play callers, yeah. two special comments, and a boundary person. And I like the boundary person might never have done it. Like, I reckon Ted Whitten would be great on the boundary. Yep. Because there's no doubt if he did the boundary, at some point, he'd step into the play. Oh, so you're saying you can do that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wouldn't it be great? He, he'd right. step into the play, wouldn't he? He couldn't resist. Yeah. I think uh, the director has already been decided, though. That is Alf Potter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And uh, Don Fitzsimmons, I think, is his assistant who will step in after um, Alf retires. And all of our um, commentators will have their hair done at Terence Marini in <laughs> Richmond. <laughs> anyway, you get the idea. Comp- uh, TV commentary team... Dream team, yep. uh, two play-by-play calls, two comments, and one boundary. Send your entries to info at footyology.com.au, and we've got a stack of prizes for you. We've got the beautiful 100% organic cotton Argan gym towels valued at $35. We have an Andrews hamburgers T-shirt and cap in your size. It's a beautiful prize pack to give away and uh, we're just dying for your entries. Don't forget Nick Bartels and Hardwick Bill Co for your Renos and a little clue who's going to be my all-time dream team commentator, Rowan. Manassar, he gets a ball on the wing. Manassar, he takes a bounce. Manassar. Uh, uh, Peter, Peter, Peter Ewan. Ewan. Uh, this could be one of the he this could be one of the goals of a century. <laughs> Uh, all right, get your entries in, and uh, hopefully we can finish off last week's competition so it doesn't become a complete um, 
head scratching exercise. Uh, that's if your hair be- hair player has lice. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope your team gets a win this weekend. And we're talking about dream teams. I don't know about you, Finey, you know, this sort of word association uh, word I association know exactly thing. where you're going. Do, I bet you do. Dreamer. Too. Nothing No, better. I'm not going for Super Tramp. Oh. Uh, although I did buy Breakfast in America, the album. No, I hear Dream. Oh, I know. Um, Roy Orbison in Dreams. No, no. I think. No. Third, do you want a third of guess? You. It's a bit more contemporary. I'm thinking 1979. I'm thinking. Oh, uh, that would have been. The, you know who started off around then? Who? I think they're from America. Yep. Who, who? who was the lead singer? I don't know. Who? Cheap Trick. Ah, yes, you have got uh, Robin Zander and uh, Rick Nielsen was the little guy on guitar. Bunny Carlos on drums. Are you serious? You know this? Yeah. No no references here, people. This is... Yeah, no. Well, you know, I'm a music fan. It's not unusual. I can't remember the name of the bass player, though. Pathetic. Um, someone will fill me Pathetic. in. Pathetic. But I love Surrender, uh, their first, well, first single I heard, one of my favourite songs of all time. This one, pretty damn good too. I'm talking, of course, about the Dream Police. We'll see you on Sunday night. <laughs>